Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved, and we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Alejandro, how we doing, man? Que tal, Matt? So glad to be back on the podcast. Super excited. But let me ask you, who do we have on today? Well, man, really excited for today's guest. Very timely. We've got John Crane, the co-founder and CEO of Super Rare, one of the obviously earliest and most acclaimed crypto art NFT platforms launched back in 2018 and really was sort of the, the ground zero for so many of the like crypto art OGs like Xcopy, Hackatow, who have made, made waves in the space. Um, Super Rare recently announced its 2.0 platform, which includes the mm. Rare Curation Token, Super Rare Spaces, Super rare DAO, sovereign smart contracts, and we'll dig into all that. But what are you excited to hear about today, Alejandro? Wow, man, that that sounds like a lot, bro. You know, like, <laughs> especially you know, I think what I'm really most excited about is to learn how the governance is going to happen within the community at large, with the token, with the DAO, and really, I'm I'm really curious what he's going to the forefront, the horizon of what he sees this growing into. Hundred percent, man. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, before we jump in, though, just want to remind you all to tune in to nftnow.com for our weekly newsletter. You can subscribe there. We break down the very active NFT markets and space into simple and actionable insights. So go ahead and, and sign up for that. And without any further ado, John Crane from Super Rare. John, so good to see you, man. I'm really glad to have you on the podcast. How's it going? Going great, Matt. Alejandro, it's a pleasure to be here. Big well, week for you guys. You. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, a week for the history books. Well, you know, super excited about Super Rare 2.0, the the rare curation token spaces, the DAO. We're going to get into all of it. Um, but first, like, tell us a bit about the background story of of Super Rare 2.0. Like, how long have these sort of initiatives been in the works? I'd say, I mean, as high level concepts, quite a long time. You know, like we've always wanted to have you know, the greater community involved in curation inside the platform. And early on talked about, you know, did it make sense to have you know, like galleries within Super Rare or art collectives? And like, what would that look like? Um, so yeah, it's, you know, had been discussing it for quite a while. And then, you know, lots of the conversations around community governance and what that could look like. It slowly kind of just started to solidify, you know, over the course of the last year. And we kind of just ran with it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Why was becoming more decentralized important to you and the team? And like, how do you feel this sets you apart from other platforms? So we, I mean, as a very crypto native platform, you know, we've kind of have had that in mind. That was sort of like where we would end up, uh, you know, early on, you know, like big believers in non-custodial solutions. Like that's, you know, kind of been part of the ethos and really just thinking about like, what does Web3 enable that like you couldn't do before? And so I think a big part of that is really experimenting with these concepts like tokens. What does it mean to have the community more involved? And so to us, that just represented like the natural next step. And we sort of felt like, well, if we don't do it, we know somebody else is going to do it. And like, we're very excited about the idea. So 
fuck it, it should clearly be us. Totally, totally. And so keep keeping in, in keeping with like the, the ethos as well. You know, let's talk a little about the rare token because there's so much buzz right now in the you know, community about it. it. It's you know, <laughs> it, I think it it's a uh, it's a really it's a really interesting concept, like a, as a curation token. Tell us a little bit for the for the listeners a little bit about um. The, the utility and sort of like the the, the vision behind la- that token, and also what what was the process of launching it like? I'm sure that must have been a, a really interesting, a really interesting uh, uh, learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, generally, you know, we've been following DeFi governance token launches, you know, since yeah, you know, I don't know, whenever DeFi became cool, it was a couple summers ago, uh, DeFi summer, and. Loved the concept, but also felt like, you know, there's low engagement. Like it sounds cool in theory. And then in practice, you know, a lot of folks that we had talked to are like, well, it's challenging to get the community involved. Like you're not really, it's not necessarily something super interesting that people want to participate in. Like, whereas you're thinking about super rare, something that's been, you know, contentious from the beginning was like, was the fact that it was curated, right? You know, early on, it was like, this should be open, like, screw you guys, you're gatekeepers. And, you know, there was always this interesting back and forth where it was like, yeah, it is unfortunate. It can't be totally open, but there are benefits, right? Like there's like the the art's a little bit more thoughtful. It's more slow, like easier to kind of like digest and uh, actually experience the art versus just being another content platform. And we felt like there was this really... Yeah, a big challenge, but also an interesting opportunity to where if you could use the native token, the rare token, to let the community participate in governance of what people already like to talk about, which was like who has access to super rare, um, that could be a very interesting use case. And you know, there is, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the concepts behind token curated registries, right? This idea that you could use tokens to Uh, curate lists. Like our general opinion was that, you know, TCRs are super interesting. They're also a little bit complicated to understand. And so like starting very small, so like letting people curate a list, but, you know, having more or, you know, softer guardrails, whereas like, you know, TCRs really tried to build in very hard, rigid guardrails into the smart contracts. Um, could be a very interesting place to start. So that's kind of the philosophy behind it. Any any sort of um, any sort of challenges or like unexpected or like lessons learned um, throughout the process of launching it? Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. There's a lot to think about. You know, if we absolutely naively were like, "Oh, this is going to be great. It'll be pretty easy. It'll be straightforward." And like the more every layer that you peel back, you're like, "Oh, there's there's actually more here." So as so you go through, kind of like unpacking. You know, what does governance mean for you know, Super Rare Labs, the company that helps start the network? Uh, you know, how do, how do we interact with, you know, this thing that we're handing over to the community? Obviously, you know, we still have a huge stake in like helping it to succeed, but it's we're now just an actor in this ecosystem versus like the only people who are in charge. And so I think we really wanted to be thoughtful, right? Like we we really took a lot of time to think through like, okay, how can we actually progressively decentralize this? What does the stages of the rollout look like? And also, how can we message that? You know, I think a number of teams launch a governance token and it's like, oh, it's going to be great. We're all going to own this thing together. But like, what does that actually mean in practice? Um, That was something that was, you know, it was very deep, 
and we kept like the more you dig, the more you find. And so we really tried to to settle on something that was pretty simple that people could understand, but that was also you know would be interesting. That's really really awesome, man. And just kind of off the top here, like, was there anything that you guys had on the board initially that didn't make it on to Super Rare two point Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's you know tons of different ideas. I think. You know, some of the fun ones are thinking through like, okay, what kind of interesting token models could you have with, you know, artists and like what other types of curation could you have? Like, so one of the early ones was like, what if you could, you know, stake on artists or like stake on a piece of artwork or just, you know, so like different ideas like this, whereas maybe bringing in, you know, more of those kind of like financial games from the DeFi world. um, Mm -hmm. And like, could you leverage those to you know, produce interesting curation. I think that stuff's still on the table, right? Like it's not like uh, the end state, you know, we're with the launch, like we're trying to recruit the community, get people excited. You know, we're saying like, this is our best guess at like a workable model, but it's, you know, this is the beginning, not the end. Like let's build this together. Um, So I think there's a lot of interesting things, you know, we could kind of continue to build upon, but uh, you know, plenty that didn't, didn't make it into the, you know, the final production for sure. So it's only the beginning. Exactly. So, you know, I think it's really interesting, um, like just sort of the concept of the rare token and how it will really sort of, um, it, it'll shift. It's a, it's a market shift for the for the curation approach at, at Super Rare. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on like striking that balance between like maintaining Super Rare's sort of curatorial quality while, while, while also still onboarding new talent via the, this, this, this tokenized community. It was something we thought quite a lot about Curation is really challenging, right? It's like, it's tough. People are going to have opinions. It's tough to do well. And, you know, like somebody like on one hand, amazing curation for somebody else is like, you know, terrible curation. So it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting balance, like you said. But we really wanted to, whatever the process we ended up settling on, we felt like it was important to have subjective opinions still be a part of it. So, you know, like we thought through like, you know, maybe we should have an invite system and just like generally make Super Air more open. And then kind of dialed that back because it was like, well, you know, if we go that route, then you kind of just end up people like handing out invites to their friends. And like, so how do you still maintain like a hard buy, uh, like a high bar of quality, like have, you know, thought go into who are the artists, who are these, you know, uh, groups of people who are coming on. And that was kind of how we ended up with the spaces model, right? Like our model is in its, or like, you know, the super 1.0 model is not scalable in that we can only review a certain number of applications. We're also limited by our own opinions and experiences by like, you know, opening up these spaces, which are kind of like dedicated curatorial areas. We're saying like, hey, here's somebody who really care, or, you know, the community can say like, here's somebody who really cares. They have a story, they have a message. And let's let this person, you know, run wild with the existing tools and patterns that we kind of created to start with. So we felt like it was a good, you know, as a step towards opening up, we're going to be able to have higher volumes of artists, more people reviewing, um, you know, kind of like doing outreach. Uh, but at the same time, you know, their, you know, their reputation is on the line for their space as well. So it's not just mm. us. So it's kind of like, taking the, our tool set, but now like giving other people the opportunity to, uh, you know, show the world that they, they can curate. That's really fascinating, man. And I think like, I want to dive deeper into the super rare spaces. I think that that's a really key innovation in terms of scalability, you know, like 
How do you guys envision doing these curated storefronts in terms of artists, collectors, brands, et cetera, and how will they be chosen? What's the criteria there? Yeah, so we have some kind of like uh, templates for proposals that we think are good models that we're going to be rolling out. So you know, we have, there's a super rare council who is sort of like helping to guide the ecosystem. So like what we wanted to not end up with, which was like just tons of half-baked proposals, people, you know, like lots of chaos. We're like, okay, we want it to be, you know, we want there to be some chaos, but we should also kind of want it to be structured. And so, you know, we looked at, I think, you know, synthetics has a pretty interesting governance model, you know, which they kind of like drew upon uh, Bitcoin's governance model, which was like, you know, based on uh, like early Python, sort of like open source governance models. And so we like this idea about having like, okay, here's a group of people with high reputation who the community knows to kind of help filter and maintain quality and then allowing people to then go vote. So the idea is that the council is going to ensure only high quality proposals go up to vote. So it's, you know, they can reject something, say like, this isn't done. It's, you know, it's not finished. It's half, half baked. Um, but then high quality proposals are going to get put to vote um, on, I think, a biweekly cadence. So there'll be sort of like a proposal period where people are kind of reviewing those proposals. Mm-hmm. Some will get selected and actually go to vote. And then uh, we'll be slowly onboarding uh, spaces from there. I love how you're building upon governance in terms of historical, but also looking forward and seeing that council and how clearly you are, the process is very clear, right? So there's not going to be any like uh, black boxes involved. Like, hey, it's going to be a two-week thing, proposals, here's that. That's really wonderful. In terms of that, I, I think this is a great segue to speak about the DAO aspect of the, the in terms of that context. Like similarly to that governance, how do you envision collective governance on the within the super rare DAO context? Yeah, so I, you know, DAOs, yeah, they're, they're certainly a hot topic this year. They're super fascinating. I think it's an incredible way for people to organize, right? Especially, you know, like we have this tool, the internet, right? Like, you know, this is a new way for people to orient themselves around a shared goal and mission. Um, and, you know, for us with SuperRare, it's like, how can we build a better art market, right? Like, how can we support more artists? How can we support more collectors? And kind of just bring art into, uh, you know, the metaverse where we're all headed. So I think that's, you know, that's the mission. Um, and just thinking through the DAO, right, there's, you know, we have a team, the team's going to continue to grow, work on the protocol, build more tools. But at the same time, I think one of the beautiful parts of open source software is anyone can submit things like, right, people can build interesting tools and contribute updates to the protocol itself. And so I see the DAO playing a very important role there, you know, administering developer grants, um, artist grants as well, right? There's a ton of experimentation. I think it'd be super interesting to see, um, you know, more art for the sake of art, right? Like NFTs are still only a few years old. I think there's plenty to do as far as like adding utility, interactivity to them. Mm -hmm. And so I see the DAO as so the central actor helping to coordinate, you know, growth within the ecosystem. What do you envision in terms of the DAO? Where do you think it's going to be in 12 months in terms of community engagement and where new products are going to come out of that? And do you envision like new development, new products, new innovations from the community as well? And what's your dream for 12, for the next 12 months with the DAO? Yeah. So I, 12 months from now, I would love if 
you know, we have a fully operational developer and artist grants program. So I think that's one of the first things where, you know, people, there's an opportunity to get involved and, you know, you don't have to go through an inter interview process or anything, right? Like you can just be on the internet. If you're contributing code, if you're contributing art, uh, I think you should be, you know, rewarded for it. And so I think having the DAO set these grants program programs up would be super powerful. Um, and then also, yeah, I think there's just a lot of different directions that this could go. And so I sort of see the DAO as a way for, you know, like, we're not the central team anymore. Like we're participating, but we're not the only ones, you know, steering the ship. And so I think there's very interesting things with, you know, what does fractionalization look like? You know, how to, mm -hmm. and like, you know, super interesting things like, um, you know, uh, I think it's like the, like the bid parties, right? These are like super fun, very interesting things, uh, very aligned with what, you know, Super's mission is. And so how can, you know, these plug into the super ecosystem, like what can super air kind of like innovate on top of them? Like, what does that look like? Um, and I think, you know, sort of tapping into the genius of the hive mind is a great way to go about that as opposed to us just saying like, okay, here's what we're going to build next. I mean, like we're going to be building new features, but allowing other people to step up and say like, well, here's something interesting. Check it out. You know, I already wrote some code for it. For sure. You know, it's interesting. I mean, there's so much in the in the announcements. Really, really like exciting initiatives, and you know, obviously the rare tokens getting a lot of attention, the DAO, the spaces. But one thing I think that that caught my eye, and I'm really interested in, is is the custom smart contracts uh, capability, which I think is like really fascinating. It opens up like a like an interesting interesting new opportunities. Yeah, I think it's been one of the one of the interesting things to watch in the space has been sort of the innovation on that front. Watching uh, you know organizations like Manifold and what they've been doing. And, and so, and, and also, in addition to that, the ability to import artworks that were minted elsewhere. So um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what sort of uh, how you envision like custom smart contracts playing and, and enhancing the super rare like ecosystem. And then also like how will importing those other artworks works work? Yeah, you know, actually, we announced a couple of years ago that we were going to be integrating CryptoPunks. And then ended up like never really being satisfied with like how it looked in the product. And so we didn't you know, go forward with that, but have always felt like there's a bunch of interesting art out there. And it was this kind of just due to the limitations of, you know, Solidity and the tool sets. There are these like platform branded smart contracts, which, you know, made sense because they were easy to launch, but didn't really make sense. And they're like, no matter where Xcopy mints a piece of art, it's interesting because Xcopy minted it. It's not necessarily interesting because it like, you know, lives in a specific smart contract. And so there was this idea of these smart contracts having more weight than they actually did in our opinion. Like we were like, what's interesting is like the art itself. It shouldn't matter. That should be like a small detail versus like the most important detail. Um, so I've always felt like, you know, a multi smart contract approach was the way to go. And so, you know, with kind of like how we're positioning it as like, you know, this sovereign artist smart contracts, like having their own branded smart contracts is really cool. I love the work that Manifold's doing. It has a ton of interesting art that's been put out. And so really just having that as part of Super Rare and like part of the artist profile is what's important to us. You know, like it doesn't, I, so I think just like building out more tools so people can experiment and have more optionality. I think is definitely the way to go. And so this is like a first step towards that where, you know, it's 
it's not really about where the art was minted. It's like who minted it and, you know, um, how it's displayed. That makes total sense. And, you know, it's, it's amazing, like arriving to this moment, you know, if you think about like the, all of the events of like the past six months, you know, like, you know, a year, even when you like set out to, to like, I mean, think back to like when you like set out and like founded super rare and like to see, um, sort of super rare, like at being at like the forefront of, you know, of, you know, like earlier this year when, when all the attention was on like the OG crypto artists and like, you know, guys like X copy were suddenly becoming like blue chip artists that were commanding, you know, uh, you know, really, really significant, uh, like sales figures and all of that. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm curious to hear, like, what was it like sort of, you know, being at the forefront of that? And and seeing sort of the platform kind of explode in that way, and then and and how does that kind of like tie into like your original vision uh, when when setting out uh, to to found it? Well, it was certainly shocking. I think you know early in the year we were like, wow, huge month. This is probably you know we were like prepping the team. We we're like you know, like there's been explosive growth. Marketplaces are super volatile. This is a new market, so like you know everyone expect lots of ups and downs. Like you know. We it may feel like we're starting to make it. We have not made it yet. Like there's a lot of work to do. So you know, just this is we were like trying to prep people, and then it just kept going. You know, it was like January was an amazing month, and then February was like three times January, and we're like, well, this is going to end, obviously. And then March was insane, and we were just like, I mean, I'm not complaining, but this is just totally crazy. Um, so it was very exciting, you know, and I think happened. I think NFTs kind of jumped into the mainstream just way faster than we imagined would be possible. Um, so that was yeah, pretty incredible to see. And honestly, it wasn't what was interesting though, too, is like it wasn't very surprising. I think we had just for me and like part of the original inspiration behind Super Rare, a lot of the artists that I liked and the art that I liked was just it just lived on the internet, right? It was like People like Xcopy who make incredible gifts, it you know, it doesn't make sense to get just one frame printed out or something. So it's like, how do you collect this and show it off in like, you know, in our digital uh, you know, in the growing metaverse, right? Like, so it wasn't a big surprise. Uh, it was surprising how quickly it happened. Yeah, you know, I think we always knew, like since day one, that it would be a very social thing. I think that was like early on some of the attempts at digital art experiences and collecting platforms like really lacked the social element. And I, to us, it was like very obvious that, that had to be at the core. That's really fascinating, man. I, I love that intentionality that you're having. And I, and I think it shows in, in the way that you guys launched it. That was really awesome. Now, like shifting away a little bit and uh, scoping out a little bit from super rare and like bringing it into the NFT a little bit more personal, like getting, getting your vibe and your take on this. What was it like being at the forefront of the OG crypto art boom earlier this year? You mentioned that like the January, February, March boom was just like crazy. What was it like to be there at the forefront? I mean, it was a, it was certainly an honor and a privilege, right? It was just early on, we were like just a bunch of people hanging out in the Telegram chat, you know, buying art from each other. Uh, it was super fun, right? Like it was like very, you could tell that there was something there, but you know, having the all the spotlights from the world be like put on this, you know, kind of small little community that we were, you know, we were like, we would tell people, you know, like, this is a, a niche within a niche, right? It's like, crypto is already still a little bit obscure. And then it's like, oh, here's this weird, you know, like, 
collecting art using like crypto as like the infrastructure um, was even more niche. And so, yeah, it was, it was super exciting. Also like overwhelming. Like I would, there were days when I'd be like typing responses to emails and I could just see like, you know, by the time I finished one email, I had received five more emails. It was just like, I'm not used to this. Like, this is just a fire hose. Um, so that, there was certainly a learning curve there. You know, one one thing I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, and I, I think it's really interesting and um, is, I, I remember we had a conversation with Sarah Zucker um, on our podcast a while back. And she she said something that, that I hadn't thought about, which is that like, you know, those early days in Super Rare when like people were, it was like, you know, it was like a sandbox, almost like people are just playing around, uploading things for fun. Like, you know, it, it wasn't really a financial calculus that was going on, like in a, in a major way. You know what I mean? It was like, people were kind of it, it, like, I, I, and I think like a lot of people were trading with each other. Things were selling for like small amounts and all this. And she thought that once the boom happened, sometimes some of like the OG, like early crypto artists were kind of in some ways underserved by those, by those, like by the fact that the, that like their last price looked small because mm-hmm. of, because of it being there. And um, one thing that it, it seems, uh, you know, it, it seems like so many of the OG artists Feel really like validated and and um, and are really excited about the the rare airdrop that, that you did because you know being on, time on the on the platform and all that and and the fact that they had minted so much like that was, those were all factors into into that and so just curious to hear your thoughts about you know when when rolling out super rare 2.0 like how how important was it to to do right by those like OG artists who were some of your earlier OG users and how do you kind of like envision sort of um, their their role within the community as as everything develops. They really are super rare, right? Like, you know, I, we felt just lucky to have, I mean, I think a big part of it was kind of like right time, right place. You know, we had the right skill set and the interest to go build this, you know, crazy art platform. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they were taking a huge risk. They were like this random dudes hitting me up on Twitter. Like he's just like, keeps bothering me about this like NFT thing. Yeah. So you you know, like every, I mean, it's still amazing, you know, like when new artists join, but early on, right. It was like, holy shit, a new artist joined this week. This is awesome. Like, I'm so excited. It's like, I wrote some software. This person made 50 bucks using the software. Like that's pretty cool. And I think, you know, Sarah speaks to it pretty well, right. It was this very like tight knit, you know, like it was a lot of fun. No one was taking it too seriously. And it really did kind of feel like, you know, this distributed, you know, friend group or family of sorts. Um, and so, yeah, it was super important. Like, you know, very grateful. Like they all took big risks, like, you know, took time out of their day to like give us feedback, right? Like the, like uh, early on, it was like, Oh, how do you like this? You know, uh, the buttons are in the wrong place. Like, Oh, cool. We can move those. Like just like lots of back and forth pushing updates. Um, and so, yeah, we were, it was very important that like people who were there early, um, you know, were, uh, were re- rewarded for it. And I mean, I think that's like a big part too, right? Like we wanted to, with the announcement, really make it clear that like, yes, we are adding spaces and we think this is super powerful, very interesting. But at the same time, you know, I think a big part of what made super interesting early on was like, Hey, you don't need a gallery to represent you here. If you want to create and like, sort of like, you know, be the master of your destiny, like you can do that too. And so that's like, I think really trying to launch something new, which is spaces, but also really improve 
the experience for you know sovereign artists on the platform. Dude, that's really awesome. I love the master of your own universe concept there. That's that's, that's really great. Like empowering the artists. So shifting over and turn to the current marketplace. Like, what are your thoughts on the current dynamics around blue chip crypto artists and one on ones? I think it's a trend that's going to continue. I think for us early on, you know, we loved you know like fun fact. Like we actually did. Yeah, there's a couple additions on Super, like really early ones. And then we were like, wait, I don't think this makes sense. Um, so like love the idea of an NFT being a one-of-one piece of art. And really, if you want collective ownership, our opinion, really my personal opinion is something like fractionalization probably makes more sense there versus like uh, numbered additions of an NFT. Um, and so I think the market that's evolved around... OGs and one of ones is going to continue to grow. Just like if you look at other art movements, right? It's like the people who were there really early um, have solidified their their place in art history. And I absolutely believe you know all the all the artists that have you know been on Superare are really part of NFTs coming into their own, and a hundred percent are going to be part of you know it's going to be in the history books, uh, you know. Whether or not they get printed out or their digital history books, uh, you know, we'll see. But um. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel as though the like the, these OG crypto artists are like the like will be like the old masters for a whole new a whole new movement. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, twenty years in the future, you have a uh, you know an X copy on your profile and you know, whatever metaverse tech we're using, um, people are going to notice and appreciate that. You know, that's actually an interesting thing. You know, I just thought of, um, you know, talking about like the metaverse as well. Um, what sort of is Super Rare's um, sort of plan and strategy for for how um, you you want the the, the platform and, and the community to um, to sort of like grow and thrive within these virtual worlds that are becoming increasingly popular? Yeah, I mean, I love you know kind of like the DeFi money Legos metaphor like i think it really it applies very well to the metaverse is going to look like so i think open standards and open protocols for how the metaverses get rendered asset ownership in those uh in those different metaverse metaverses uh really is the way to go so kind of like building for openness right let's see like early on you know talking to folks that were like oh well if you can take the art off of super air, like, you know, you're never going to like build any network effects. It's not going to work. And I think that actually the opposite is true is like giving people the optionality makes everything way more powerful. And so like, if everything works together, right? Like that was the I, part of why I thought NFTs were so interesting. I, it was just like, these are going to work in every wallet. You're going to be able to sell these assets on any exchange. Like that's super powerful, right? That's like, that's the game-changing thing. And so interoperability, I think, is absolutely the way this gets built. So it's around like having well-defined, simple standards and um, interoperability uh, across the board. That's super interesting. And just like before we close it out, you got you to gotta give us the alpha here. What are some of your favorite rising artists right now that you're seeing? Oof, this is a, this is a tough call. I feel like I should always prep for... Uh, <laughs> for for interviews with you know some of my favorites i mean to be honest i guess like just personally uh neuro color i don't know if you've if you've seen any of their work on super air that's just like some of my favorite right now i think like you know i'm always 
I'm just watching the marketplace, seeing if I can snipe anything. Um, hasn't happened yet, but uh, absolutely one of my top favorites. In the Who meantime, else? what, what yeah. was your first NFT? What was the first NFT you purchased? On SuperAir, the first NFT I purchased was a Hackatow. And nice touch. Yeah, which I, it was actually the first ever Hackatow that was created. I was like, actually like sitting at home, like waiting for the tokenization to happen. I was super pumped. I swooped in there and bought it before Jonathan or Charlie could. Uh, so it's very exciting. Um, and then I sold it. I don't know, maybe like, I guess it was like six months later. So we did a show at uh, DevCon 3 in Prague. So we had like all these iPads up and it was kind of like a gallery slash charity auction. Things were not selling very well, but like we did get a couple of bids on this Hackatow and I was like, I don't really want to sell this, but like, it's not a good look if we don't raise any money for the charity auction. So like, I guess I will. And so I famously uh, you know, sold that Hackatow for, I think it was like, Three man of the people, man of the people, yeah. Three man of the people, which was like 800 bucks or something at the time, you know, not a not a whole lot, but uh, (laughs) I'll just yeah, it's for for the cause, you know, the cause, exactly. Um, well, man, I think it's it's been a pleasure, you know, like having you on. Really great to to hear more about the uh, the exciting initiatives that you guys are rolling out. Um, I say keep up the good work. And uh, we're excited to see um, how Super Rare continues to push the envelope for what an NFT platform can be. Awesome. Well, Matt and Alejandro, really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And you know, right back at you. Love what you're doing. So um, keep it up. Appreciate, appreciate that. It, appreciate that. All right. Take care, John. All right. You too. Wow. What a conversation, man. What stood out to you? What stood out for me is how committed John has been to playing the long game and how this has always been in the roadmap since 2018. You know, it's so easy and so simple to play the short game, like the microwave startup game of like, hey, let's just do something quickly. Let's get value and then sell or exit or things of that nature. But the what was really impressive was when John was like, hey, this has been in the works since day one. It's just that it, it was a, a staged release. And that was really impressive for me, like the long-term vision and the long-term game that they're playing. Yeah, man, totally agree. And I and I love the fact that he, you know, was really thinking about, um, you know, like you said, both where Super Rare has been and where it's going. I think it's really cool that like, you know, with that airdrop, he really took care of those OG artists that have been that have been with the with the that have been staple the community and that have been using the platform since the very beginning. I mean, it, it's important to remember that um, you know for every uh, X Copy and Hackatow who are doing six figure, seven figure sales, there are a lot of OG artists out there that are not doing those kind of sales on the regular, and um, they were their contributions were still really important too. And I, I do think that you know the the airdrop is is a really kind of it's a it was a great it's a great gesture that is both both has amazing symbolism, but I think could also be really materially important and potentially life-changing for some of those artists. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what, uh, what, what, what uh, Super Rare has in store and uh, very excited to, uh, to be along for the ride. Absolutely, I think, I think they set up the gold standard for how things are gonna happen. And it was so, so smooth, so intentional. And I, the community reception that it was yeah. like just wild. Discords were going crazy. Twitter was going wild. Telegrams, everybody was just blowing it up. And it was just really great fanfare to see that uh, uh, NFT native community really supports 
the NFT native platform and vice versa. That, that little like flywheel was really powerful to see. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the NFT Now podcast. We will catch you next time.